We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 646 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Thursday August 31st 2023 one week from tonight is NFL opening night the Detroit Lions at the Kansas City Chiefs Thursday night September 7th at 8:20 the NFL's 2023 Regular season is rapidly approaching, and it is a regular season that in week one also is tracking toward featuring a sold-out FedEx field. Yeah, the Commanders' week one game home to the Arizona Cardinals Sunday afternoon, September 10th at 1, is a tracking toward being a sellout. The team on Wednesday morning announced having released standing room-only tickets for the game, and Knowing what we know about the Cardinals, uh, their fan base, uh, not exactly known uh, to travel, uh, and the Cardinals this coming season, pretty clearly being in tank mode, uh, this expected sellout crowd at FedEx Field for week one figures to be a crowd overwhelmingly filled with Commanders fans, not Cardinals fans, as uh, we, of course, over the years have seen uh, quite a few instances of opposing teams' fans overtaking FedEx Field. Should be an awesome atmosphere at FedEx Field in Week 1. A regular season opener for the Commanders off the sale of the team, a new QB1, a beatable opponent, and a sellout crowd filled with fans of the home team. Imagine that. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The team president of the Commanders, Jason Wright, he in an appearance on B. Mitch and Finley on 106.7 The Fan on Wednesday afternoon confirmed that Commanders Cardinals is tracking toward being a sellout. He also said that the team is not going back to the name Redskins. Quote, it is not being considered, period. End quote. Next segment, I will react to what Jason said. Was this the final nail in the coffin of the name Redskins? Uh, We also on Wednesday afternoon 
had the Commanders announcing the signings of 15 players to form the team's practice squad. And we have some other reported moves that the team is making. Coming up, we'll get into all of that, as well as the latest on tight end Logan Thomas and his recovery from his calf injury. He seems to be doing well. You'll hear what he said to reporters on Wednesday afternoon, as well as comments from head coach Rod Rivera on the uh, symbiosis between assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy and quarterback Sam Howell, uh, and on the Cardinals playing coy, and I do not mean Colt McCoy, <laughs> about who their starting quarterback in week one will be. Also on the show, we'll talk Nationals and Orioles. Each team had a day game on Wednesday. Each team lost, and thanks in part to a veteran starting pitcher who has struggled, struggling again. Uh, the Nats lost at the Toronto Blue Jays 7-0 as Patrick Corbin officially allowed six runs in five innings. The American League leading O's lost to the Chicago White Sox 10-5 at Oriole Park at Camden Yards as Kyle Gibson allowed seven runs in four and a third innings. Hey, a salute to forward Carl Haglin. Uh, he on Wednesday announced his retirement from the NHL. Carl Haglin spent the last five seasons with the Capitals, although he did not play at all this past season. Uh, Haglin on October 10th, 2022, underwent an arthroscopic surgical procedure to address his chronic left hip. And then he, this past February 13th, underwent left hip resurfacing surgery, and he already was trying to come back from a serious left eye injury that he suffered in practice on March 1st, 2022. A brutal last 18 months for Carl Haglin health-wise. All the best to him. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Some emails regarding the name issue with our football team. As I said on last Thursday's show, episode 641, I'm trying not to hit on the name issue too much because we are now in the football portion of the football year. But email from Jim Kennedy writes, Jim, I had this idea for a new name, Washington Thunder. I would rather Washington Black Thunder, but that is just asking for trouble. But Washington Thunder would be named after Chief Black Thunder of the Navajo Nation. Chief Black Thunder was one of the first Native American chiefs who used the term redskin in print as a positive description of his people. And here's another idea. Contact Garth Brooks to use his song, The Thunder Rolls. Have a great day. Uh, thank you for the email, Jim. Uh, well, the uh, problem with Thunder, besides the Native American imagery slash connotation, which some people would have a problem with, uh, is that there already is a thunder, right? The Oklahoma City thunder. So there might be copyright issues. But, you know, we do have a former member of the Oklahoma City thunder, Kevin Durant, as a big fan of the commander. So maybe Washington thunder could work out. Email from Gene writes, Gene, what's truly surprising to me is that the discussions around the return of the Redskins name have generally ignored any consideration of what impact such a return could have on a D.C. stadium for the team. I would say that, in my opinion, this is an either-or choice. Do you want the Redskins name back, or do you want the next stadium to be in D.C.? Because if the Redskins name returns, that kills any chance of there being a majority of the D.C. council that will one day vote in favor of stadium support. 
Look, we can point all we want to the Washington Post poll from a few years ago that clearly reflected that the vast majority of Native Americans are not opposed to the name Redskins, but that's too narrow a focus. Broadly speaking, Native American imagery, names, and chants, whether we're talking about the tomahawk chop of the Atlanta Braves and Kansas City Chiefs, or the Redskins and Cleveland Indians names, or any mascots, all of these things together form a political issue that has largely split the parties. We can debate all we want whether it should be a political issue, but the fact is that it is a political issue. It separates the woke and anti-woke mobs. The D.C. Council is not what one would call an anti-woke entity. Mayor Bowser, who, while saying several years ago on a stage with Dan Snyder that she wants the team to come back to D.C., stated the last time that this issue was relevant and before the name was changed that the name was a barrier to the team getting political support in the city for a stadium. And Mayor Bowser is, compared to the members of the D.C. Council, a political moderate. And while you have said that the name change was forced by the disgruntled limited owners of the team as a way to stick it to Snyder, the name was changed in an environment of racial reckoning that came in the immediate aftermath of the George Floyd murder. If you were to pull the D.C. Council, it's rather doubtful that it would express the opinion that the racial issues reflected in the George Floyd murder have since been resolved. With this background and with the immediate polling of the D.C. Council regarding support for new stadium having been revealed to be lukewarm at best, it is nearly impossible, in my opinion, to imagine that the team's decision to readopt the name Redskins could occur without eliminating any chance of D.C. Council support for stadium. The return of Redskins would simply come at the expense of such a chance. Uh, Thank you. For the email, Gene. Yeah, you know, when uh, Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser said what she said about the name Redskins being a barrier to the team's next stadium being in D.C., uh, she said that to me. (laughs) She said that to me on 980. I asked her a question about that, and uh, that's what prompted that response. Uh, Yes, uh, going back to the name Redskins almost certainly would harm the commander's chance of having their next stadium in D.C. But I think that most fans who want the name back would take the name back over the team's next stadium being in D.C. If we did a poll of you can only have one, the name goes back to Redskins or the stadium goes back to D.C., I bet that the name going back to Redskins would overwhelmingly win. And for me, I would much prefer that the team goes back to the name Redskins than the team's next stadium be in D.C. if it is, in fact, true that the overwhelming majority of actual Native Americans like or approve of or are fine with the name Redskins for a sports team. My position is not that the name of the team absolutely should go back to Redskins. My position is that if it is, in fact, true that the overwhelming majority of actual Native Americans like or approve of or are fine with the name Redskins, then the name of the team should have never changed and should go back to Redskins. I'm always open to new data. If you showed me good, reliable, unbiased research that clearly shows that a significant number of actual Native Americans hate the name Redskins, then that's it. The Redskins name should be done. I just have not seen that research. And You know, nobody seems interested in doing that research. But if it is in fact true that the overwhelming majority of actual Native Americans like or approve of or are fine with the name Redskins, and you're asking me to choose between 
the name going back to Redskins or the stadium going back to D.C., I, in a millisecond, am choosing the name going back to Redskins. As I have said, the team's next stadium being in D.C. is a little overrated. Uh, I'd have no problem with the team's next stadium being in D.C., but I have never viewed the stadium situation as D.C. or bust. I think that a new stadium in Maryland or Virginia, if done well, could work just fine. This feeling of, well, the team stadium was in D.C. back in the day when the team was good. That's where the team stadium belongs. That's fine if you feel that way, but you know, just because things used to be a certain way, that's not really a good reason for things going back to that way. It's not 1983 anymore. A lot has changed. Maryland and Virginia are much different states than they were in 1983, and I would throw this into the mix as well. Washington, D.C. may have an economic need for the commander's next stadium, more than some realize. Now, Uh, There is a very mixed track record of economic benefit for cities from stadiums. That is true. But the Washington Post recently had an article on what's called the urban doom loop, which is this idea that the collapse of commercial real estate and the increase in remote work could spiral out and wreck D.C.'s tax revenue. Uh, I'm not going to turn the show into an economics class, okay? (laughs) But the Commander Stadium situation as it relates to D.C. may not be as simple as the commanders want or need D.C. No, the situation may also be that D.C. wants or needs the commanders for revenue purposes. And if that's the case, uh, you watch how fast D.C. politicians would lose their religion on the name issue uh, if the team somehow went back to the name Redskins. But that said, the team going back to the name Redskins still is an extreme uphill battle for a lot of reasons, including the NFL itself possibly slash probably not being on board with the team going back to the name Redskins. Well, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people right now are being forced to be on board with what's happening in the home and auto insurance markets. Are you not happy with what you're paying for home and auto insurance? Uh, We are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. And that's why you should get with BMC insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. Uh, BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. Uh, And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And Perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com 
talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, and BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. There are few issues in the history of Washington, D.C. area sports as incendiary as the issue of the name Redskins. Uh, That issue sparks all kinds of emotions. Uh, That issue makes people all kinds of crazy. Uh, The issue inevitably leads to political discussions slash shouting matches, and the issue may never have a clear-cut answer. And so I had to laugh with not only what Commander's team president Jason Wright said on Wednesday afternoon, but how he said what he said on Wednesday afternoon. Jason Wright was on B. Mitch and Finley on 106.7 The Fan. Here was the exchange between a friend of this podcast, J.P. Finley and Jason Wright. Is going back to the old name something that is on the table? It is not being considered. At all. Period. Gotcha. All right. There it was. Or, as Jason said on the day on which the team officially announced the name Commanders, 2.2.22, there it is. There it is. (laughs) That's right, Jason. There it is. Now, uh, Jason technically said that the team going back to the name Redskins is not being considered. Present tense. He did not say (laughs) that going back to the name Redskins never ever will be considered. (laughs) Uh, No, but how about how little Jason Wright said in his response to J.P. Finley? I mean, Jason Wright rarely lacks words. He has an excellent vocabulary. He has all of the corporate lingo down pad. He is an impressive speaker. I mean that. He is. But Jason, in that response, a response in which he could have said so much, said so little. Jason wanted to say as little as possible. Take a listen again. Is going back to the old name something that is on the table? It is not being considered. At all. Period. Gotcha. Yeah, quote, it is not being considered, end quote. And then J.P. Finley said, at all. And Jason Wright said, quote, period, end quote. And that was it. I mean, Jason Wright would say a punctuation mark, period. That's what he would say. He did not want to say anything more than that after saying it is not being considered. The silence in that exchange that I just played for you was deafening. Jason Wright clearly did not want to stir up the hornet's nest that is the great name debate. As we all know, there's a difference between not doing something because you don't want to do that something and not doing something because you can't do that something. My belief with the commander's new ownership, the Josh Harris group, is that it is very open to changing the name of the team, although nothing is set in stone. 
My suspicion is that the Harris group would be open to going back to the name Redskins, but believes that the NFL is not on board with that. Put aside wherever I, you, or anyone else stands on the issue of the name Redskins. Let's look at this from a tactical standpoint. If you are the new lead owner of the Commanders, the managing partner, Josh Harris, and you do not have the support of the NFL, how the heck are you ever going to get something as tricky and delicate as going back to the name Redskins done? And of course, the answer is you're not going to get that done. Josh Harris pretty clearly is not against the name Redskins. The top two limited partners in the Harris group, Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson, pretty clearly are not against the name Redskins. Why am I saying this? Because all three guys at the press conference for the Josh Harris group at FedEx Field on July 21st said the word Redskins. These guys said the word openly and freely and proudly. And by the way, there was little of any outrage over this. But if the NFL isn't on board with the team going back to the name Redskins, then tactically speaking, the team going back to the name Redskins can't happen. And you know what? From the NFL's perspective, I get the league not being on board with the team going back to the name Redskins, if in fact that is the case. Think about this from the perspective of the league. The NFL just got rid of the big problem that was Dan Snyder owning the team. The NFL's Washington problem has been addressed. Why would the NFL want to create another problem slash controversy with the team? Again, from the NFL's perspective, Washington has been this problem franchise for which local revenues have declined big time and has been a franchise that has been involved in constant controversy. What the NFL wants from Washington now is for it to be quiet, okay? What the NFL wants from Washington now is for it to go sit in a corner, okay? Sit in the corner, be quiet, and get back to being the big-time revenue generator, the big-time earner that the franchise was for so many years. The NFL from Washington does not want more problems, more headaches, more controversy. And right or wrong, fair or unfair, I absolutely could see the NFL seeing Washington going back to the name Redskins as a problem, as a headache, as a controversy that, oh, by the way, could get in the way of the franchise getting back to being the big-time moneymaker that the franchise was for so many years. Remember, what the NFL cares most about is money, not morality, money. The prism through which the NFL sees everything is money. And if the NFL sees Washington going back to the name Redskins as something that would be bad for making money, then the NFL isn't going to allow the Josh Harris group to bring back that name. To say nothing of what we talked about last segment, how going back to the name Redskins could be problematic for the team's next stadium being in Washington, D.C. Jason Wright is not in charge of what the commander's name is. Uh, Heck, Jason Wright may not even be working for the team a few months from now. But Jason Wright is the team president. He is in constant contact with the Josh Harris group. There's no way that Jason would have said what he said on Wednesday afternoon without knowing that the team isn't going back to the name Redskins. And unless the NFL is on board, 
the team almost certainly can't go back to the name Redskins. And ultimately, that's what this issue comes down to more than what I think, what you think, or what anyone else thinks. The bottom line in this issue, in a lot of ways, isn't what is right or what is wrong. The bottom line in this issue, in a lot of ways, is a very simple thing. A thing that governs so many things in life. Money. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right. We on Wednesday afternoon had a commander's practice that started around two. We shortly before the start of the practice had the team announcing the signings of 15 players to the team's practice squad. And then we shortly after that had multiple reports of the team signing another player to its practice squad, which can have up to 16 players. So know this, every single player who the commanders released in their cut down to 53 for the 2023 season cleared waivers. Uh, Just like every single player who the commanders released in their cut down to 53 for the 2022 season cleared waivers. Uh, As I've been saying this week, the overwhelming majority of players cut and cut downs to 53 clear waivers and can be brought back by teams to their practice squads. And sure enough, the commanders on Wednesday afternoon announced the signings of a number of notable players who were released in the cut down to 53 on Tuesday being brought back to the team via its practice squad. Uh, The commander's practice squad includes quarterback Jake Fromm, receivers Casimir Allen and Bryson Tremaine, tight end slash fullback Alex Arma, running back Derek Gore, guard Mason Brooks, edge defender William Bradley King, corner Tariq Castro-Fields, linebacker Dijon Scuda-Harris. I love that nickname, Scuda. (laughs) Uh, All of these guys who got released by the commanders on Tuesday in their cut down to 53 made it through waivers and made it to the team's practice squad. Uh, And then we on Wednesday afternoon had multiple reports of the commanders signing linebacker Jabril Cox 
to their practice squad. Uh, Jabril Cox, he was taken by the Dallas Cowboys in the fourth round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of LSU. Uh, he, over the last two regular seasons, played in a total of 16 games for the Cowboys. This was head coach Rod Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon on Jabril Cox. We remember the young man coming out at LSU. Um, he's, he's a physical specimen, young man that can run um, and can make an impact. Uh, and, and again, it's one of those things that he'll have to learn, he'll have to grow. But he's got the skill set that you're looking for as far as that, that position is concerned. And, and as I said, he's a guy that we really did like uh, coming out of the draft that year. Jabril Cox, he in the pre-draft process for the 2021 draft earned a relative athletic score, an RAS, a RAS, as it is known, of 9.73. 10 is the highest RAS that you can get. Cox got a 9.73. RAS was developed by a uh, multi-time guest on this podcast, Kent Lee Platty, NFL draft analyst for Pro Football Network, a Navy veteran. Uh, he is the man who invented relative athletic score, uh, the man who invented RAS. RAS grades a player's measurements and NFL scouting combine slash pro day metrics on a 0 to 10 scale compared to his peer group. This was Rod Rivera on what he needs to see from Jabril Cox in order for him to contribute in games. Well, obviously, first is learning the X's and O's of what we're doing, how we do it. I mean, he's got the skill set, and, and you know, he can be a high-impact guy because of his abilities, his athleticism. Um, so big, the big part will be you know, grasping what we do and then us finding the best way to use him and play him. All right. Now, we also have this with the commander's roster. Multiple reports on Wednesday afternoon that the commanders are doing what I on Wednesday show, episode 645, suspected that they might do, placing interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis on the reserve injured list and signing back center Tyler Larson, who the commanders on Tuesday released in the cut down to 53 and who made it through waivers. Uh, so Mathis going on the reserve injured list with this calf injury that he's been dealing with will bring the number of defensive linemen on the team's 53-man roster down to 10, and the team bringing back Larson will bring the number of offensive linemen on the team's 53-man roster up to 10. Uh, As for the commander's practice on Wednesday afternoon. So still no injury reports for NFL teams. So those will start next week. Uh, receiver Terry McLaurin was not at practice as he continues to recover from his injured right big toe. Uh, edge defender F.A. Obata was not at practice. Uh, practicing to at least some extent, though, were tight end Logan Thomas, who was coming off a calf injury, and corner Kendall Fuller, who was coming off a knee issue. Uh, this was Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on Logan and Kendall two products of Virginia Tech. Look good. They really did. You know, a few days off has done both those guys wonders. All right. Rod Rivera still not wanting to say much about injured players, but Ron on Wednesday afternoon was willing to talk about what Logan Thomas does for the commanders. Uh, This was Ron on how Logan most impacts the team. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with commanders insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. I think his overall knowledge of the game, um, he helps others as, as, as well as, you know, as, as you know, the guys around him. But he also has this ability to, to understand what's happening as the game's, game's happening. You know, this is a guy who's a former quarterback, so he sits there and he looks at the, at the coverages and he knows instantly. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's from his training that a lot of the things he does will translate into, into making the right decisions in terms of route running and, you know, how to present him, himself open to the quarterback. 
His strength at the catch point, is that something you've seen him develop over the years, or is that just his frame, he's big? I, I think it's his frame. I think it's, it's an innate ability. Um, I think part of it has to be having been a quarterback, understanding you know what it's like to get it and how to protect the football. So when people are around him, you can see that he uses his body very well. It reminds me a lot of uh, uh, Greg Olson, uh, who was a guy that could use his body to, to, to keep that distance between the ball and the defender. Well, on Wednesday afternoon had the first open commander's locker room for reporters with players after a practice for the 2023 season. Uh, this was Logan Thomas with reporters. Feel good. Feel, feel much better. Um, I appreciate the time that they gave me to, to get to the point I need to be at right now. And uh, just excited for what next week holds and uh, getting this thing started off. You feel back to normal? Oh, yeah, I feel good. Yeah, I feel back to normal. Uh, feels feels good getting my feet back under me, be out here with the guys, and uh, really start to get this thing tuned up. You know, calf strains are so, you know, they, they can linger in a sense. Were you happy in a sense of the, the rehab and where are you at? And do you have to baby it still? Is there, like, limitations? No, no, no. I mean, after yesterday, I don't think there's any limitations. It was a, especially with only a few, a whole lot few guys that we had. Um, and getting the reps I did, I feel good. Yeah. And uh, no residual effects, so feel good. You're a competitor. You always want to be out there with the guys. In that sense, how frustrating was it to, to miss that time? Yeah, it was annoying. Um, I felt like I let my tight end group down more than more so than anything because uh, those guys are out there battling every day. You know, getting 120, 130 reps a day uh, between the you know the five of those guys. So um, you know, that's where I really felt like I let them down. Uh, and then obviously, secondly, secondly, letting down the, the offense not being out there. But um, I guess the season doesn't start in the preseason. The season starts September 10th, and uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it and, and ready to go then. If it was regular season, would you would it have gone differently the last few weeks? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think Ron spoke to that a couple of times too. So, yeah, it would have been well, I've been on a different uh, plane, um, especially moving forward. Like moving forward with it, it would have been a whole lot quicker. Any concerns about missing the time with Sam? Oh yeah, that's been one of those things that I wish I would have had. Is you know I got two weeks with him. I wish I would have had the full, full four. Um, but we can play catch up. We can work afterwards, work before, and, and get all that done. Okay, hopefully Logan Thomas is going to have a big 2023 season, which does set up to be a big season for Logan. He has not had a good season since his first season with Washington 2020. Uh, The Redskins in March 2020 signed Logan as an unrestricted free agent to a two-year contract. He had a terrific 2020 season. Logan in the 2020 regular season played in all 16 of Washington's games. He finished with 72 receptions for 670 yards and six touchdowns on 110 targets. He became just the third tight end in team history to have a regular season in which he had at least 70 receptions, at least 650 receiving yards, and at least five receiving touchdowns. Uh, Washington, on July 28, 2021, announced the signing of Logan to a three-year contract extension, but things haven't gone so well since then. Uh, Logan, in the 2021 regular season, played in just six of Washington's 17 games due to a hamstring injury and then a season-ending torn left ACL, MCL, and meniscus. And Logan, in the 2022 regular season, played in 14 of the Commander's 17 games. He missed three games due to a calf injury. And he did not have a very productive season. Uh, Aaron Schatz, uh, big-time force in NFL analytics for years. He has a metric called DYAR, stands for Defense Adjusted Yards Above Replacement, similar to Wins Above Replacement War in baseball. Uh, Logan Thomas, for the 2022 regular season, finished dead last 
among 48 qualified NFL tight ends in DYAR. Number 48 out of 48. Uh, But of course, not all of that is on Logan Thomas. The commander's quarterback play last season left a few things to be desired, shall we say. (laughs) Uh, Will the commander's new QB1 Sam Howell lead an offense in which the likes of Logan Thomas thrive? This coming season, Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on how what assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy wants to do offensively is in accordance with the skill set of Sam Howell. Well, I think the biggest thing, most of anything else, is is really just his his whole football acumen. You know, everything from you know how good a student he is to 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 a guy that um, can take what's being called and translated in his mind as to how to execute uh, his skill set I think is is very conducive to a lot of the stuff that we want to do because of his arm talent and then his athletic ability I think helps and adds on to some of the things that that Eric wants done I think Eric's done a terrific job with again not just Sam but with the other two quarterbacks because I, I really do think it's a good room and I'm very happy with those guys and you know being able to 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 you know, have that kind of room, especially for Sam, uh, is a good thing in terms of his learning and growth. Really interesting stuff from another friend of this podcast, Warren Sharp of sharpfootballanalysis.com. He on Wednesday morning put out a piece in which he wrote about eight NFL offenses that could be more explosive in the 2023 season as compared to last season. He identified the commander's offense as one of these offenses, uh, wrote Warren, quote, overall, the commanders ranked number 25 in explosive play rate last season. New starting quarterback Sam Howell has been talked up by Rivera, but how much trust will he be given after a rough outing or too much pressure from the offensive line? New offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy was in Kansas City with a team that generated league-leading explosive play rates despite not throwing deep. If he brings some of those concepts to D.C., we could see a jump from the commanders. End quote. Uh, it is imperative that the commander's offense becomes more explosive. Warren Sharp defines an explosive play as one that gains at least 15 yards. Consider this. Each of the top eight most explosive offenses in the NFL in the 2022 regular season made the playoffs. Whereas just one of the eight least explosive offenses in the NFL in the 2022 regular season made the playoffs. There is a major correlation between being explosive on offense and making the postseason. Uh, Warren, in his appearance on this podcast a few weeks ago, went in-depth on the commander's offense. was outstanding. Episode 624. I highly recommend uh, checking that out if you haven't done so already. But what about the Eric Bieniemy sam Howell tandem? Uh, we on Wednesday afternoon had this exchange between Commander's insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times and Rod Rivera. With Sam and EB, have you noticed things on film that like scheme things that help a young quarterback in terms of just getting the ball quickly, things that are designed to benefit Sam's growth? There was actually a very good uh, a, a very good uh, example in practice today. You know, um, they were talking about a specific play, and the linebacker came up, and right off the bat, 
you know, he'd be, you know, was telling him, hey, look, when you got this, you should be thinking this. And then you could see Sam go, okay, I got it, I got it. So, yeah, you can see that they've built that kind of rapport already. It's just getting stronger and stronger with every day and every practice. I mean, that's one of the really cool things that when you watch EB, you know that he knows he's working with a young quarterback when he's talking to Sam. But then you watch him and see how he handles Jacoby, and it's a completely different thing. And it's true for the way he deals with all the other players around him. He understands who's young, who's old. He understands who he can take jabs at. He understands who he can have a little bit of fun with. Um, so that's really kind of a cool thing to, to watch. And, and see as these guys build the kind of rapport that you need when you're when you're the primary play caller. Good stuff right there from Ron Rivera on Eric Bieniemy. So we know that Sam Howell will be the Commanders' starting quarterback for their 2023 regular season opener, home to the Arizona Cardinals Sunday afternoon, September 10th at one. But as you probably know, we do not know who the Cardinals' starting quarterback will be. Kyler Murray is recovering from a torn right ACL that he suffered this past December. Uh, The Cardinals starting quarterback could be Joshua Dobbs, who the Cardinals last Thursday, August 24th, acquired via trade with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, The Cardinals starting quarterback could be Clayton Toon, who the Cardinals took in the fifth round of the 2023 NFL Draft out of Houston. Uh, We do know that the Cardinals starting quarterback will not be former Redskins quarterback Colt McCoy. Uh, The Cardinals release Colt this past Monday. Uh, this was Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on whether or what the Cardinals' first-year head coach, Jonathan Gannon, is doing in not naming a starting quarterback is giving the Cardinals a competitive advantage. Uh, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Matthew Paris. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the thing about it for us more than anything else is, you know, they're relatively new. Uh, in terms of what they do offensively, schematically. Um, in his eyes, both quarterbacks have a different skill set, which we see. Um, and so because of it, yeah, you're going to have to do certain things um, and, and say, okay, if this guy's in, we'll do this. This guy's in, we may do that. Uh, you know, So you, you do have some sort of an advantage when you create that kind of mystery. Did, did that throw you at all, that they released Colt McCoy? Just... Not necessarily, um, because for the most part, with what they do um, offensively, you could see their, their, their young quarterback was doing. Uh, so there was a lot of similarities there. And just go back and look at the Cleveland tape. Their offensive coordinator comes from Cleveland. So a lot of the stuff that you know they, they do, you see that Cleveland was doing as well as far as running game, as far as some of their, uh, their run games, some of their, their routes, their, their, their route concepts that they use. So um, just how they use it and how they use it for each quarterback is a new thing for us. And it was going to be like that anyways, depending on it didn't matter who the quarterback was going to be because you're never really sure what they're going to do until it starts. Yeah, the Cardinals offensive coordinator is Drew Petzing, uh, who spent the last three seasons with the Browns, including being the Browns quarterbacks coach for last season, during which he coached current commanders quarterback Jacoby Brissett. Uh, The Cardinals first year head coach Jonathan Gannon spent the last two seasons as the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator. Uh, By the way, a uh, tight end who used to be on the Eagles and now is with the Cardinals, Zach Ertz, he may be out for week one at the Commanders. He on Wednesday told reporters that it's not a certainty that'll play in the game. Uh, Ertz is coming off a torn ACL and MCL. Commanders Cardinals, my friends, about a week and a half away. Uh, Always good Commanders content at WSH on the Daily on Instagram. If you are a Commanders fan and you're on Instagram, make sure that you're following at WSH on the Daily. 
uh, on the daily just started in 2021 and yet has nearly 23,000 followers. And on the daily is literally daily. Uh, The page is updated every day. News notes, reports, photos, graphics. Uh, This is a page that properly sources and vets its news and information. Doesn't just post anything that anyone says. Uh, On the Daily on Instagram is a great place at which you can converse with other Commanders fans regarding the team, the draft, free agency, and trades. Uh, On the Daily responds to every single DM. On the Daily is a page at which you can have fun. Uh, Lots of creativity with jersey swaps and unique graphics and the contest name that redskin and free wallpaper Wednesday, which is when On The Daily gives out free wallpaper that you can use on your phone. And On The Daily always has a great fresh look. If you are on Instagram, check out at WSH on the daily for smart, informative, fun, and engaging commander's content. Check out at WSH on the daily on Instagram. Well, the national streak of five consecutive series victories, unfortunately, is over. Uh, the Nats lost at the Toronto Blue Jays 7 nothing on Wednesday to lose two or three games in the series. And the Nats for this regular season now are 62 and 72. They ended up going five and four on a nine game road trip, six and four if you count that 4 3 win over the National League wildcard leading Philadelphia Phillies in a neutral site, a Muncie Bank Ballpark and historic. Bowman Field in Williamsport, Pennsylvania in the 2023 MLB Little League Classic on Sunday night, August 20th, although technically uh, that was a Nats home game. Uh, This 7-0 loss at the Blue Jays on Wednesday was a ho-hum loss. Uh, There have not been many ho-hum losses for the Nats lately. Heck, there have not been many losses, period, for the Nats lately. Uh, They, for this month of August, are 17-10. This is their first winning month since June 2021, if you can believe that. Uh, Very little hitting for the Nats on Wednesday. They scored no runs, totaled just five hits, worked just one walk, and went 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position. The Blue Jays starting pitcher Chris Bassett, eight scoreless innings. Uh, Two of the Nats' five hits on Wednesday came from just one guy, uh, Joey Manessis. He is the Nats' starting first baseman and number three batter, went 2 for 4 with two singles. So the Nats had one extra base hit for the entire game. Jacob Young, uh, he is the Nats' starting center fielder and number nine batter, went 1 for 3 with a double, although he then got picked off at second base. Young in the top of the fifth had a two-out double to left field on a 1-2 pitch, but he then got picked off at second base for the third out. And this was especially bad because C.J. Abrams was batting for the Nats. Uh, although Young did make a nice defensive play, bottom of the second, a diving catch of a leadoff lineout by Ernie Clement to right center field. This off what Young did on Tuesday night, that clutch outfield assist, bottom of the eighth, Nats nursing a 5-3 lead. Young caught a one-out fly ball off the bat of Dalton Varsho, despite nearly being run into by left fielder Alex Call, and then threw out Alejandro Kirk at home for the third out as Young unleashed a great no-hop throw. Uh, speaking of outfield assists, Jake Alou, uh, he on Wednesday as the Nats starting left fielder and number six batter, went 0 for 4, but he had an outfield assist. Alou in the bottom of the third had an outfield assist. He fielded a Davis Schneider leadoff first pitch single off the left field wall and then threw out Schneider in his attempt to stretch the single. 
into a double. Uh, I mentioned C.J. Abrams. He on Wednesday, as the Nats starting shortstop and number one batter, went 0 for 4 with a strikeout. Uh, Abrams has done some good things lately, but he overall is not having a good month of August off his great month of July. Your C.J. Abrams slash line for August, a batting average of just a 229, an on-base percentage of just a 270, and a slugging percentage of just 376. Uh, the Nats starting pitcher on Wednesday was Patrick Corbin. Uh, he was not good. Uh, he officially allowed six runs in five innings. He gave up 10 hits, four doubles, and six singles. He did have five strikeouts versus one walk, and he did throw a lot of strikes, 96 pitches, 60 strikes versus 36 balls. But this outing was yet another instance of Patrick Corbin giving up a lot of hits. Corbin for this regular season, has allowed the most hits in the majors, 183. Uh, The guy gives up a lot of contact, and when you do that, you give up hits. And so he has an ERA of 490 over 27 starts, but the giving up of hits has been a big part of the decline of Patrick Corbin over these last four seasons. Uh, Corbin, for the 2022 regular season, gave up a major league worst 210 hits. Corbin, for the 2021 regular season, gave up the fourth most hits in the majors, 192. And Corbin, in the COVID-shortened 2020 regular season, gave up a major league worst, 85 hits. Are you noticing a trend? Uh, The Nats bullpen on Wednesday, two Nats relievers combined to allow one run in three innings. Andres Machado officially allowed a run in two innings. Jose A. Ferrer tossed a perfect bottom of the eighth. But the most significant development regarding the Nats bullpen on Wednesday, Tanner Rainey has joined AAA Rochester as part of his minor league rehab assignment. Uh, He has yet to pitch in a major league game this season due to Tommy John surgery that he underwent on August 3rd, 2022. Would be great to see Rainey pitch for the Nats in September, and we pretty clearly are tracking to see that. Uh, Next up for the Nats, a four-game series against the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park. Game one, Thursday night at 7.05. Joanna Doan will be the Nats starting pitcher. The Orioles have an off day on Thursday, so their August is complete. The O's in August went an outstanding 18-9, and although they did lose their final game of the month. Uh, a 10-5 loss to the Chicago White Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Wednesday afternoon in a game in which the O's blew a 4-0 first-inning lead. Uh, the loss also concluded a 6-3 homestand for the O's. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays on Wednesday evening won. Uh, a 3-2, 10-inning win at the Marlins, uh, what was the Rays' fourth consecutive win. So the O's now for this regular season are an American League best 83-50, and but are just one and a half games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. A rough outing for starting pitcher Kyle Gibson on Wednesday afternoon. He allowed seven runs in four and a third innings. The O's in this game scored four runs in the bottom of the first. Gibson gave that all right back by allowing four runs in the top of the second, and he then allowed three runs in the top of the third. He, for the game, gave up nine hits, three home runs, two doubles, and four singles. He did issue no walks, but he recorded just two strikeouts. He threw 89 pitches, 56 strikes versus 33 balls. The White Sox are one of the worst hitting teams in the majors. The White Sox entered Wednesday just 28th out of 30 major league teams in team-weighted runs created plus 
for the 2023 regular season. And yet Gibson got rocked by the White Sox. Uh, here was O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his postgame press conference on Wednesday afternoon on Kyle Gibson. I thought they had a nice approach off him. You know, you're throwing a lot of sinkers early. At, um, they weren't trying to pull it. They're using a big part of the field. Drove a couple balls out to to center on him. Um, I thought he was better in the fourth and the fifth, using the slider more, keeping him a little bit more off balance. But um, he had a, just had a rough time there those two innings. His past couple months, he's had a lot of quality starts, but he's also had a few like this. What do you just kind of make of that? That's what I make of it. Had a bunch of quality starts, pitched really well for us, had a few, which had, didn't really go his way early. All right. The O's has passed December signed Gibson as a free agent to a one-year $10 million contract. He This season has had some good starts and stretches, but the overall body of work isn't good. Gibson, for the 2023 regular season, 28 starts, an ERA of 515, and yet <laughs> he leads the O's in wins. With 13, uh, shows you just how flawed wins are as a stat for pitchers. Uh, the Orioles' bullpen on Wednesday afternoon had some problems, too. Four Orioles relievers combined to allow three runs in four and two-thirds innings. Now, all of the runs did come off one guy, uh, Austin Voth, who allowed three runs in one and two-thirds innings. But the three other Orioles relievers who pitched in this game did put some guys on base. D.L. Hull uh, tossed a scoreless top of the seventh, despite giving up a one-out single and then issuing a one-out walk. C.N.L. Perez tossed a scoreless top of the eighth, despite giving up back-to-back two-out singles. And Jacob Webb tossed a scoreless top of the ninth, despite beginning the inning by issuing back-to-back walks. He did generate swinging strikeouts for the final two outs. The biggest bright spot for the O's on Wednesday afternoon, by far, was the red-hot Anthony Santander. Uh, Santander, as the Orioles' starting right fielder and number two batter, went two for four with a solo homer and an RBI double. He ended Orioles four-run first, had an RBI double down the right field line for a one nothing Orioles lead. He, in an Orioles one-run third, had a leadoff full-count home run to right field to cut the Orioles' deficit to 7-5. The homer concluded a nine-pitch plate appearance in which he fouled off each of the three pitches prior to the pitch that resulted in the homer. So Anthony Santander, the man known as Tony Taters, he over the three games in this series went six for 13 with a three-run homer, a solo homer, a three-run double, an RBI double, an RBI single, another single, and a walk. He over the three games had nine RBI. Not bad. Uh, Anthony Santander for this regular season is number one on the O's and home runs with 26 and is number one among all qualified Orioles players in OPS at 825. The O's on Wednesday afternoon scored five runs, totaled nine hits, worked three walks, went three for nine with runners in scoring position. Uh, The nine hits were comprised of a homer, two doubles, and six singles. The O's in this series hit well. Uh, No game. The O's on Thursday. Next up for them, a nine-game road trip beginning with a three-game series at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Game one, Friday night at 9.40, Cole Irvin will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. Game two, Saturday night at 8.10, Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And game three, Sunday afternoon at 4.10, Jack Flaherty will be the Orioles' starting pitcher.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday's show, episode 647. We'll provide you with more on the commanders. Also talk nationals. And that's on Thursday night at 7.05 of game one of a four-game series against the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park. And I will have for you the season debut of Goldilocks. Not Goldilocks, Goldilocks. My college football picks against the spreads for Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Uh, No game for Navy this week of the midshipmen's uh, 42-3 loss to then number 13 Notre Dame in Dublin, Ireland last Saturday afternoon. But Maryland, Virginia Tech, and Virginia all have their season openers on Saturday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Is going back to the old name something that is on the table? It is not being considered. At all? Period. Gotcha. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.